0: Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the third quarter 2019 Von Nelson small cap value recap. In the third quarter of 2019, Von Nelson small cap value returned on a gross basis 1.89% and on a net 1.63%. And that is compared to the Russell 2000 value at negative 0.57%. This brings the year to date total on a gross level to 21.12%, net at 20.14 and again that's compared to the Russell 2000 value at 12.83 percent. And my guest today is portfolio manager Stephen Davis and with that Stephen we'll turn things over to you.
1: Great thanks Dan. Um, I'd like to revisit very quickly what we talked about last time Um, and that was the S&P 500 estimates had come down but we were making all-time highs in the S&P 500 with valuations expanding and a mixed bag of leading indicators, both, both short and long, and still thinking the U.S. may still be the least worst. Um, deleveraging headwinds and demo, uh, declining demographic profiles, you know, the U.S. economy slowly healing, the Japanese economy was coming off stimulus, China was purposely slowing, and we had uncertain European economy and Brexit and, you know, draw you checking out with, with overall stimulative moves by central banks across the globe. So um, where are we today? We are still near all-time highs in the S&P 500, with valuations elevated and a mixed bag of leading indicators. China continues to slow on purpose. Trade tariff issues still are center stage. We've seen a few cracks in the U.S. funding system and, and Twitter starting to heat up with political bait, which we'll have to endure for the next year or so. The tone from the Fed and global central banks is still one of uh, essentially doing anything they can to maintain this economic expansion. We are not extrapolating moves in economic data or volatile price action either way. It's, at the end of the day, stable, below-trend below growth. Uh, we're watching price moves of companies after they report earnings. They're not really sending any signals at all. We're still at a crossroads where we either decelerate or accelerate, and, and we don't have any, any we don't have the conviction to make that call either way yet. But it definitely won't be status quo over the next uh, three, six, nine months. Um, you know, the million dollar question is is still you know is the U.S. last to fall with the rest of the world, or is there massive global catch up trade to the U.S. and the central banks kind of pushing everything everything higher as as uh, rising tide will will lift all boats. Um, in terms of uh, you know, the, the performance and just overall market, I'm going to sound really like a broken record from last quarter, but in the U.S., we're growing, but slowing. Classic late cycle setup where most of the areas of the economy have fully recovered. S&P 500 earnings estimates continuing to come down with the multiple near uh, the current business cycle high, which is still signaling to us no imminent recession. Again, later cycle, but there could be more stimulus left, um, either fundamentally or through fiscal and monetary means that can continue to keep risk assets working. Um, in the near term, we think economic activity will continue to slow, which will further pressure margins and ultimately earnings growth. Valuations have risen materially, and markets likely remain volatile until the current slowdown has bottomed, which you know, we're kind of pegging loosely at maybe the, the first or second quarter of, of, of 2020. Long-term inflation expectations remain muted even as wage, wage growth accelerates. The 10-year yield fell another 32 basis points in the third quarter. This is after falling 40 basis points in the second quarter. And the performance of fixed income proxies resumed their upward march in the quarter. That would be REITs and utilities. Um, this is possibly no longer signaling that there may be an upper bound on rate-sensitive valuations and investors are just grabbing to any, uh, gravitating to any yield they can get. A lot happened in the quarter, um, but you wouldn't know it from looking at equity returns. S&P 500 largely immune to the massive momentum trade reversal from from late August to late September. S&P 500 finished up 1.5% for the quarter, um, while smaller indices were down, and and some down materially. Companies on the margin disappointed in results and outlook. S&P 500 earnings estimates uh, disappointed. U.S. dollar was up 3%. Commodities got hit, and uh, gold continued its kind of flight-to-safety rally. It was up 4% in the quarter. So, again, you've got the element of flight-to-safety. Um, uh, even as liquidity becomes tougher to find, China continues to slow. ECB and BOJ upping, upping another round of stimulus and, and Fed patients turning towards uh, towards cuts, again, to kick this can down the road a little bit. We are starting to see a few more canaries in the coal mine, even as equity markets uh, continue their upward march. Treasury euro dollar spread, wide as it's been in two plus years, the overnight general collateral repo funding pressures at the Fed, this is essentially how much financial institutions can borrow um, using treasuries as collateral. You have the yield curve inverting, you have credit spreads widening, you have the VIX uh, climbing steadily behind the scenes. Put all this together and we're trending very cautiously at this point. Um, the other side of the coin is, is still full unemployment, excuse me, full employment in the United States and excess liquidity still floating around to buy any dips. And again, central banks still determined to kick the can down the road. Uh, most asset classes were up in the quarter, the exception being high yield fixed income, uh, which was flat. You had commodities down a little bit. Even with the Momentum reversal late in the quarter. Growth has materially outperformed value the last few years. Um, unless we get some kind of confirmation of reaccelerating global growth, I don't see any reason that doesn't change. And again, this would have to be investors getting fed up with extreme valuations, but that would probably be driven by overall interest rates. It's hard to own um, large cap consumer staples with near a 30 or a 35 times uh, P.E. multiple on them. We're still seeing strategic M&A not so much um, private equity quite yet. Um, a lot of private equity uh, exiting existing positions. I'd say IPO is a four-letter word right now, especially with the um, you know, withdrawn WeWork IPO. If I had to guess, most IPOs in the last 12 months on average are down 30% from their, from their pricing. So everyone's just looking to grab liquidity and grab um, exit events when they can. The performance for the quarter, it was a good demonstration of our investment process and how the portfolio is positioned to perform. Markets were generally flattish. Our companies grew earnings faster at similar valuations. So we had kind of both earnings and valuation outperformance. We find idiosyncratic ideas with good risk reward that prevents mean reversion across uh, you know, all parts of a cycle. Really the continuation of the last few quarters where returns have, have varied massively and we, we've been able to generate alpha. Outperformance was once again driven by driven primarily by stock selection. Consumer discretionary and financials were the largest underperforming sectors. Most of this was due to momentum cover late in the quarter, um, but also because of a few weak holdings. We gave up a little bit on our underweight to REITs and utilities and uh, every other sector we generated uh, outperformance. Um, The strongest two sectors generating the outperformance was um, technology and energy. Again, it's Fundamental stock selection driving, uh, fundamental stock selection in both sectors driving returns and a construct of what the macro is giving us. The top contributors in the third quarter is almost an exact copy of the second quarter, consisting mostly of secular growers and recurring services business, you know, whether that's in the government defense and and cyberspace or, you know, focus on semiconductors' role in the digital economy, consolidating brokerage services. Um, So it's mostly a carbon copy from, from the second quarter. Uh, the underperformers for the third quarter fell into two buckets. Number one, business models under some sort of transition or a lack of upcycle confirmation. And then number two, the economically sensitive names, kind of more closely tied to general energy, um, energy in the industrial sector. We've exited a few of these names and we've taken steps to address the remaining weaker names. We really spent a lot of time in the quarter consolidating positions and concentrating the portfolio into better ideas. I think we sold around 10 or 11 names um, and ended the quarter around 65 names, likely headed lower. We started two positions in consumer cyclicals that we feel are significantly mispriced by the market. We're going to be very patient on bringing up to full position sizes. It could be, it could be anywhere from two to three more quarters before they reach an average holding size. So we are finding ideas, but they're very, very uh, idiosyncratic. We're about uh, 5% cash today in the portfolio. Cash is king. It gives us a lot of optionality, especially heading into the volatile earning season. Um, we prefer to be offensive in deploying the capital into good opportunities versus having to sell marginal names in a uh, declining liquidity market. We've got a positive view on firms with sustainable top and bottom lines. Pricing power, consolidating industry structures, self-help opportunities, and and strong balance sheets. And we're really concentrating the portfolio towards these names. We continue to be more profitable than the index with higher growth rates, less earnings variability, and higher returns at at similar multiples. Again, as a result of our bottoms-up stock stock selection, uh, the output is that we're currently overweight tech, overweight communication services, underweight REITs, and overweight healthcare. The portfolio is positioned for a slowing economy, but not yet for a deep recession, although we do own a lot of businesses that should outperform materially if we head into a um, significant slowdown. If we reaccelerate, we should be fine as we're material, materially underweight fixed income proxies, you know, the REITs and utilities, which offsets our lack of exposure to high beta cyclicals. And the rest of the portfolio should, should continue to compound earnings much faster than the index. Our top holdings are either secular themes, good businesses with idiosyncratic stories, or defensive growth companies that aren't simple interest rate bets. Uh, I mentioned earlier we've kind of concentrated the portfolio, 65 names or so. We're nearing the end of that, and we're using any sell-offs to move out of the lower conviction names. Um, You can think of these uh, weaker holdings as ones with higher leverage, bad spots in supply chains, um, ones susceptible to margin pressure, things like that. Um, We're still finding bottoms-up ideas with companies' specific attributes and and catalysts at reasonable valuations. We're definitely not sacrificing our our 50% return criteria on any new holdings. Uh, We've been analyzing returns and free cash flow uh, even more in this environment. We want our companies to grow, obviously, but it, it matters how efficient you are with the capital and how much companies are having to spend to get the growth. Um, the names we're looking at right now idealist is, is kind of balanced between beaten down names names that have sold off significantly in the last um, three or six month months special situations, underfollowed names and, and there's a few reasonably priced um, kind of secular growth stories so with that uh, Dan, I'll turn it back to you.
0: All right great well thank you so much for the recap and a, you know very solid third quarter and, and good luck here in the fourth and uh, the remainder of 2019. Great.